Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stink and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Schlereth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. We'll stick with the team, why not? They're not here, but we can still do the four down territory to some extent. Chad Andrus, Troy Rank in today with Sid behind the glass. All right, Troy, the um, Underwear Olympics combine starts a week from tomorrow. And then free agency on March 13th in the NFL, which leaves us not a whole lot of time between the end of the Super Bowl and the start of the real work that's going in. So what is happening right now in terms of putting this staff together for Sean Payton, taking his time? And do you think there is a uh, a deadline in that building as to when he wants everybody in place in order to prepare for what starts next week and beyond. Well, with the coordinators, and again, the offensive coordinator is less of an issue because he's calling plays. Ronald Curry was someone considered he's staying in New Orleans as of now, but I'm not really worried about the offensive coordinator. It's a game planning guy more than he's not going to be calling plays. You need to have the defensive coordinator in place for me before you start those player interviews with the draft because people are like, well, the Broncos don't pick to the third round. Well, they got a hit on those picks still. They got a hit on those picks. Uh, you need to get a starter or two out of the draft, even though you're drafting later. You definitely have to have depth. One thing that's curious to me is Sean Payton, when you look at his drafts with New Orleans, he almost every year drafted an offensive lineman. So I do think they're going to try to build this team inside out, where they're not going to just get glamour. We need skill position players and try to fix it. I, I believe he's going to draft at least one offensive lineman, if not two. And and defensively, they could use an edge rusher. And we say, oh, they traded Bradley Chubb. Well, they weren't going to pay Chubb. So don't come back to me and say, well, they shouldn't have traded Chubb. That's, they essentially traded Chubb to get Sean Payton. That's what it turned out to be if you look at the way that whole thing unraveled. And they were going to pay Bradley Chubb. They were going to end up franchise tagging him so, and then probably trading him. But, yes, Chad, you need to have your defensive coordinator in place before the combine. We talked a lot about Rex Ryan so far, but we haven't talked about the potential of VJ Vance Joseph coming back what would you see as the the benefits what would you see as the negatives of a potential vj return on sean payton's staff well i'm going to say a couple of unpopular things here and it's on my podcast as well if you want to hear a much longer version of this on my broncos podcast with troy rink that vance joseph as a head coach of the broncos was set up to fail it doesn't mean he did everything well he didn't he was drinking out of a fire hose terrible on replays Coach, you know, coaching in-game decisions at times were disastrous and promoting Isaiah McKenzie as the punt returner before a preseason game. Just examples of he had his issues, so let's put that out there. But he inherited an aging roster with still Super Bowl expectations, one year, two years removed from Super Bowl 50, one year removed from a 9-7 and seven record. It was going to be a reboot type thing. He didn't get to pick his own coaching staff. John Elway essentially hired Vance Joseph's coaching staff. Mike McCoy did not get along with Vance Joseph and did everything he could to pretend he was the head coach and finally got fired when they lost to Cincinnati and Joseph tried to tell McCoy, 
here's what Cincinnati does. Here's what we need to prepare for since he had been with Cincinnati for several years. And McCoy essentially dismissed him out of hand. And then after the Eagles game, they fired McCoy coming back after that debacle. But other members of that staff also stabbed him in the back countless times, felt like they should have been the head coach. And Brock Olivo should have been coaching JV over at, like, the special teams coordinator should have been coaching JV over at, like, Cherokee Trail. He was totally miscast. I'm not saying Vance gets a free pass for this. He doesn't. But when I'm saying he was set up to fail, it was aging roster, unrealistic expectations, Elway did not support him in the way he should, forced the staff on him. Oh, by the way, they had two of like the worst drafts in the history of the franchise when Vance was there with these, let's say, basically what we call in baseball, like showcase guys, Carlos Hendersons, Paxton Lynch. These guys are all talent guys, and Vance, you go make them play football. We know none of them are really football IQ guys, but you can make, because you are so good with players, you go f- make them figure out. This, those That draft class with Lentz, those are some of the worst draft classes in the AFC West in the last 20 years. All that said, I was a little surprised Vance would want to come back here because the vitriol for him was real. Remember, when he failed, there was still realistic expectations of winning. Now we've been through it for seven years, and it feels like, man, if they could have a winning season next year, that would represent progress. When he inherited it, it was playoffs or bust, and – They had an eight-game losing streak his first season that was the worst in 50 years, and they were getting blown out. The vitriol for him then and the venom was real, and his insistence on saying we had a good week of practice. That was terrible by him. Part of it was like a nervous reply, a default. Anyway, he still would have welcomed coming back. He is a good defensive coach. I'm not saying he's a great defensive coach, and his, his defense last year with the Cardinals stunk. By every measure, but their season was just a complete hell hellhole. Vance Joseph's a good NFL coach. He runs a three four. Rex Ryan runs a ver, uh, variation of the three four. There's reasons to think it could fit with this personnel. And remember, he's coming in, and it's a fresh start with the team because the only guys that were really around him when he was here would be Justin Simmons and like Josie Jewell. No one else that plays significant snaps on defense was here when he was here. As crazy as that sounds, and that's feel it was only five years ago. None of these guys were here outside of a couple dudes. So I, I still think it would be a little awkward, I'm not gonna lie, just because he gets no benefit of the doubt from the fan base. They would have to come out smoking hot, Chad. But he is a good coach and he deserves to be a coordinator in the NFL. Whether it will be in Denver, I don't know that. And Rex Ryan, as I've said, has been considered the slight favorite. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you ask me, going back to VJ, Vic, or Hackett, give me VJ out of those three in terms of <laughs> who I would want in this organization or who did the best job out of the three. And I understand Vic kept games close and had strong defenses and low scoring games, but give me VJ in terms of the overall job done and what they left behind out of those three. Um, the other question, you said they both play 3-4, he and Rex Ryan. But the game is predominantly nickel. Right. So That's who's right. going to be the better coach for the personnel they have or what they may be looking to add this year through draft and free agency to make sure that they're the best nickel defense they can be? Because here, here's the challenge, right, whether it's 
either one of those two guys or somebody else that we're not mentioning this morning. Here's the challenge. The division they play in, the quarterbacks that are going to be there, depending on what the Raiders end up doing. And it is a defense that is had been that has been good, if not great, for the better part of eight seasons. So if it's suddenly not, if it's suddenly average or below average, there's going to be a big problem. You thought the fan base was mad before. If the defense takes a step back, you're going to see some some clear issues, and you're going to see people really ticked off because that's the only thing we've had to hang our hat on. Yeah, the one defense that stunk was Fangio's COVID defense. They were terrible. Uh, but that season, in, in a sense, I don't say get a pass, but that was it. Yeah, with Vance Joseph, if he were to come in and the defense struggled right away, I mean, again, there's going to be no benefit of the doubt for him because of his time here as a head coach. And when you ask who would be better with Nickel, I mean, Vance certainly is in the argument because he's a secondary coach. He's a defensive backs coach. That is his strength. And so that plays into it. But in fairness, the Cardinals were terrible last year. They went 31st. Only the Bears allowed more points. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's so obvious it's Vance. He just brings a lot to the table. But his last time out, if you will, Chad, was not great in Arizona. Rex Ryan benefits from the unknown in some ways. Man, what's he going to come back with after seven years away? Will he have the energy for the job? Creatively, in his scheme, he fits for me. He does. I just don't know where he's at this this far removed from all of it. He'd want to work for Sean Payton, someone he clearly respects. Because Russ, I mean, Rex has been saying since 2018 he wants to get back into coaching. And I can say from watching him on ESPN's Get Up and ESPN's Sunday uh, pregame show, he's talked and sold himself as being a coach still, wanting to coach. And it's basically looking into the camera and saying, hey, if an owner wants to hire me. Clearly no one did. That's, again, a little bit of a concern. It doesn't mean he can't do the job, but he's been away for a long time. Um, again, that's, that's why Ryan, to me, because his brother Rob worked for Sean Payton for several years in New Orleans, everyone on this staff so far has kind of these connections to Payton, either Payton or someone he's hiring. And that is why when you look at – because the O-line coach he got is from the Saints. He hired a tight ends coach from the Saints. And then you look at – Westoff, who's going to be assistant head coach, he was in the he is with the Jets. He worked for the Saints and cut Wiki, the special teams coordinator. He worked for Westoff. And where does Rex Ryan? He was with those guys. It's why if I connect the pieces, I give Rex Ryan a slight edge. A lot of Vance vitriol on the text line. Yes. We'll get to some of those next. Chad and Troy in for Schlereth and Evans on the fan. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Schlereth and Evans. Here's Chad Andrus and Denver 7's Troy Rank. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard. I you know that old saying, the, the devil you know is better than the, the devil you don't? Well, apparently not. You guys do not want Vance Joseph here. Man. Ramos Law.com text line 303-713-1043. Seriously, Vance Joseph? Let's look at his results. Not sure about Rex Ryan, but can't see Vance coming back after the way he left for one. What makes him a good choice? Like the other hires, but Vance doesn't work for me. Also, there are no capital N-O benefits to hiring Vance. When has he ever had any kind of legit success? Vance has had terrible defenses lately. 
I can't believe the Broncos are entertaining bringing back Vance Joseph. What a bunch of garbage. <laughs> not only should he not be coaching the NFL, but he's borderline a D1 college coach at best. He's a good coach if you consider failure at every job is good. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where's the evidence Vance is a good coach? Jeez. How the heck is Vance Joseph considered a good coach? His defenses consistently stink. <laughs> okay. The people have spoken, Troy. Vance Joseph is is on the naughty list in Broncos country. Not interested at all. We we hear the message. We get the point. Point taken. Wow. Okay. Um I do want to uh to pick your brain a little bit on some of the other stuff that you brought up in your rank and file update I saw this week in terms of um, let's start with Javante Williams in his recovery, because as we head into the combine next week and then into free agency, what is it going to look like for this team at the running back position? If, as you mentioned, as I completely agree with that, they should probably be a, a run first run heavy team in year one under Sean Payton. Well, the, the good news is when I saw Javante Williams during the season, he was still on crutches recovering from surgery. And when I saw him this past Monday at Pat Sertan's first, the launching of his charity foundation, he was hustling around to the restaurant. He was moving around well, no crutches. And I sat down and talked to him for, for a few minutes. And he said that he's training, doing his rehab in Denver. He's not going back to North Carolina. He'll be here the entire off season, And he's been able to do everything they've asked him to do. I still say you need to be cautiously optimistic. The surgery was in October. For me, that's when I would expect him to be full speed and, and start to look like himself. To say it would happen to start the season or in training camp, that's overly ambitious. It does not mean he can't do it. Knee recoveries we've seen are different from players. From Adrian Peterson to even a Cortland Sutton, you can see all the places in between. But Javante Williams is definitely on the right track. That's good news. If it were me, I would still get either sign an undrafted free agent. You had Isaiah Pacheco sitting on the board last year that you had in for a top thirty visit. You could have taken him instead of Montreal Washington. I would look to draft Oops. I would look to take a running back late to cover myself and then pair him with Latavius Murray and then knowing Javante Williams is going to then come back September, you know, mid September, early October. So you think Murray is the more likely starter to begin the season, not any other free agent running back, not a Miles Sanders. Again, if the price falls, they just they have some cap issues. But if the price falls like it did with Gordon, and he's a bad example because it didn't work out, but he ended up signing a one worked out for him. It worked out for him. One year, ring. three million dollar deal. If somebody falls in your lap, one year, two and a half million. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But I I really believe you need to pair Murray. For me, is this, is just a trusted, reliable backup. You can't go into the season as him as the starter. That's I don't think that's fair to what you're trying to accomplish. Murray is that insurance policy, a guy you trust. He's a true leader in the locker room. I love it. I just don't want him to be the starter to start the season. If he is, that means I want him to have to beat somebody out, even if it's a young kid. Well, I mean, he, he'd beat out a fifth or a sixth-round pick. Well, it depends on the burst and how Peyton's going to use this offense. Because he, I mean, Peyton has let Murray go before, too. I mean, it's not like he's so in love with Murray that he's just going to give him all the carries. 
I I just believe they need a running back to pair with Murray to get them a bridge to get to Javante Williams. My only concern with Williams is coming off that knee surgery, he runs, as I've said this, like Batman. Boom, pow, bang. I mean, he's hurting people. He seeks contact. He runs with violent intentions. Can he still have that mindset? He's told me he will, but I don't know that. I got to see it. And if he doesn't, what does that look like then? Because running backs, unfortunately, and I hate this about the NFL, they're disposable. They are just, they're fungible pieces. But I would draft someone late. If someone falls into my lap at free agency on the cheap, bring him in with Murray. And again, those two are some kind of two headed monster to get me to Javante Williams some point early in the season. Yeah, Miles Sanders ain't going to be cheap. Yeah, that, that 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, five yards carry. It's not going to be cheap. Uh, okay. All right. Just checking. Just checking. Um, there's another question I have um, that we're going to have a little bit of fun with later on in the program. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's more about the offense and uh, what offenses they're going to face in the coming year. We will uh, get back to that coming up here shortly. Also at 8 o'clock, James Merrill out of denversports.com is going to join the program. Coming up next, let's uh, let's touch base on this all-star weekend for Nikola Jokic, Michael Malone, and staff. We haven't really gotten into it yet and uh, how much you paid attention to it. If you didn't, uh, understandable. Uh, congratulations. Hope you reacquainted yourself with your family after football season. But uh, there were some interesting tidbits around Jokic, around um, how he takes in All-Star Weekend, and really what it means for him, for the perception of him and the Nuggets, and what they're going to look like post-All-Star break, making a push to the playoffs. We'll get into that next. It's Chad Andrus, Troy Rankin for Schlereth and Evans on the fan. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Mike and Mark have the day off. Chad Andrews, Troy Rink in this morning on the fan. James Barrett will join us in about a half hour. His normal Monday visit. Troy, you ever been picked last for anything? Last. I'm sure there was a dodgeball game that I angered someone and got picked last for. So I'll say dodgeball. <laughs> dodgeball. Um, I played dodgeball in elementary school. As a, as a kid, um, you know, I'm not not going to toot my own horn or anything. I'm I'm certainly no athlete like many of the guys we have on this station, right? I'm no Chad Brown. I'm no Mark Schlereth. No, obviously, but I was I was a good enough athlete and competitor where I I, I wasn't really picked last as a kid. Right. The, the higher you go and the higher levels you play in different sports. When would you ever get picked again? Well, I that's, mean, you know, you could you could be playing pickup basketball, right? Uh, and you know, some courts, right, that may be a significantly higher level than others that are closer to your house or whatever, right? Then then you start to be picked last, right? I, um, I would get you, you get into some runs where yeah, you're you're not getting picked anywhere near the top. Like you're the only guy left. Yeah. And that that happens. That um, would happen to me now. I was a kid, I was a good athlete. But yeah, if I went to even the local rec center now, I would be picked last. Oh, at this point it would be do not pick me. No. Yeah. Like go go find a kid now they're lifting weights. Go find somebody else. Um, you know, anyone. That grandma over there on the treadmill, do not pick me. Uh, I'm an injury waiting to happen. Now there's no question. No. Um, but being picked last is probably not something you would expect 
from a, I don't know, back-to-back NBA MVP <laughs> in a pickup game. Um, funny thing last night, if you didn't catch it at the NBA All-Star Weekend, and believe me, I know a lot of you didn't catch it, not surprised at all, uh, they drafted the teams right before the game for the first time. And while Nikola Jokic is the odds-on favorite to three-peat as league MVP, when they get down to the starters and LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo are making the draft picks, there's only two guys left on the board, and Jokic is one of them. Has not been picked for an all-star roster. And Jokic gets up off of his chair and walks over and puts his arm around LeBron when there's two guys left. And LeBron has a pick before Giannis has the last remaining player. And Jokic just takes it upon himself to walk over and put himself on Team LeBron, which, being coached by Michael Malone, probably the best situation. If you're a Nuggets fan, limit the minutes, limit the exposure. Um, But it became a joke right away because the way it was interpreted by those watching NBA All-Star was Jokic just made sure he got up so he wasn't the last pick. And the reality of it was... He wasn't paying close enough attention, and Laurie Markkinen was so far on the opposite side of the stage, he didn't even know he was still up there. Jokic thought he was the last pick. So he thought he was by default on LeBron's team and tried to make fun of it and saying, well, I guess it's you and me, buddy, and put his arm around him because he thought he was the only guy left. So he picked himself. He, He thought, yeah, by default, no one picked me. I'm the last one, so I guess I'm on your team. Right? Two-time MVP, odds-on favorite, heavy favorite to be three-time to be the three-time MVP, number one seed in the Western Conference, last pick in the All Star Game. And let's just say it right now: that is a reflection of the All Star Game, not Jokic. He plays below the rim. The All Star Game is a shoot around and a dunk contest. He doesn't do those things particularly well. He passes. He's unselfish. He plays an old-school brand of basketball that does not suit the All-Star game in any way. But out of respect, he should have gone earlier. He's going to be the first three-time MVP, three-straight MVP award since Larry Bird. I mean, we're watching a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Give the man some respect. But it's a reflection, Chad, of the game. As bad as the NFL game got, where they finally resorted to flag football this year for the Pro Bowl, the NBA game is close to that. It's close. It's awful. And here's here's all you need to know about the All-Star game itself, the reflection of All-Star weekend. Who's a bigger star this weekend in Salt Lake? The soon-to-be three-time NBA MVP or the G League dunker that just got called up to the Philadelphia 76ers, Mac McClung? McClung. It's not even close. If you track social media or... That if over a 48-hour thing, who's hotter, who's a bigger star? It's McClung. It's not even close. Even today. It's not even close. Nobody's talking about Joker today. If they are, they're making fun of him for the last pick thing or not <laughs> not going for the Kyrie Irving alley-oop attempts. Right. I, I think there should be a little bit more respect shown. Understanding what the game is, but right. not putting someone in that position as one of the faces of the league in that position and not just from the picking standpoint but Kyrie Irving tried to throw two alley-oops to him knowing he wasn't going to jump 
<laughs> and try to throw down alley-oops, right? Um, I think there is a little bit of the All-Star game being the All-Star game, and Jokic is just the worst possible square peg into a round hole for that. But I also think there's a little bit of the rest of the league going, you kind of take our fun away with analytic and winning basketball and stat metrics, and there's not enough shine in the way you play, right? You need to you need to be a little bit more flashy, and you need to take more credit for it because that's what makes us money when we get shoe deals and commercials. And if you're going to be the best, we need you to have a little bit more spice because that's the way we like it because it gains us more Instagram followers. It gains us more traction on Twitter. It gains us more shoe sales, right? Because it's it's the star power, not just the ability, right? Uh, I, I guess it, maybe it's the difference in being a star player and being a superstar, right? And Jokic is by no means a superstar at all. And it's clearly reflected when he goes to All-Star Weekend. Look, All-Star Weekend is fun when it's in your town or if you're visiting and you go to it and you attend the events. When you're not there, like, um, hard pass, right? Um, (laughs) Miss me on that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Even when there's not a whole lot else going on on the sports calendar, trying to recover from the football hangover and figure out how much attention you're going to pay to basketball or hockey or golf or XFL or whatever it is going forward, right, your first week. Post Super Bowl, um, I guess it's a good spot on the calendar for the NBA to to take the spotlight. But I mean, Mac McClung becoming a viral sensation Saturday night is our attention span, and that's what people gravitate to far more than the guy who is the best player in the world and about to be the three straight time MVP. There's, I mean, there's no question about that. Um, what's interesting to me. And I want to ask you about this uh, coming up next because it kind of reared its head if anyone was watching golf this weekend like I was. Um, There was an element to that All-Star weekend where I think some, whether it be at the NBA or TNT, tried to really make it about LeBron James. And I maybe it's me. You know, I I know it's not Friday, but is it just me? I don't think the public is buying in the way that many would like them to. Certainly LeBron would like them to. Or the league itself would like to see the response from the basketball world, from the sports world, in terms of LeBron going to the All-Star game after breaking the scoring record. I'll explain what I'm talking about next and then uh, at... 8 o'clock, remember, we will check in with James Marillat of denversports.com. So Chad Andrews, Troy Rank, in for Slareth and Evans today on The Fan. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Schlereth and Evans. Here's Chad Andrews and Denver 7's Troy Rank. Good Monday morning to you. Sun is shining. Should be another wonderful day here. In the mile high. Troy, I brought up before the timeout there 
the situation at All-Star Weekend, obviously Jokic is just not a fit for that game. He says it himself. He wouldn't pick himself. Um, he plays winning basketball, which is thoroughly enjoyable for people who like basketball. Others say it's boring, right? Effective, but not entertaining because of, in large part, the way the NBA is marketed, a large part the way uh, American players grow up playing the game of basketball. Not disputing that at all, not arguing it. It's just a, a preference, right, a difference of perspective in terms of what you like. But what I noticed this weekend in paying attention to a little bit of the All-Star stuff, not a lot, certainly not like I used to, the effort to make this a crowning achievement, coronation, a, a celebration of LeBron James after breaking the all-time scoring record by the NBA, to me, just fell completely flat and was a giant miss. He did a pregame interview with Coach K that was supposed to be like this in-depth look and what it meant over the last 20 years and to finally chase down Kareem. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, like, who cares? Like, I can't stand Coach K. I'm not a fan of LeBron. I don't want to watch these two guys talk. I don't care. But I'm also old enough to remember. The, do you remember the All-Star weekend with Michael Jordan as a wizard? When Mariah Carey wore the wizard's dress and sang the, right? And how it was like so over the top. And wasn't that also when they did the 50 greatest players list or um, when they did that for the first time? Feels like it. Um you know, it, it, it was very close, right, um, to, to the similar timeline. Maybe um, that was a little bit after. Um, anyway, the, the attention, the respect, the everyone just deferring to Michael Jordan and kind of going like, all right, this is, you know, literally the last dance all-star game. Like, this is your showcase. This is your time. And you're still a great player, but this is all about Michael. And everybody kind of bought into that and went, yeah, like, he's better than all of us. He's always been better than all of us, and that's what it is, right? That had a definite feel and vibe to it from the way the players approached it, from the way the media looked at it, from the way the fans looked at it, the way it was presented and broadcast. Whereas this looked like they're trying to force LeBron on us in this GOAT conversation, and everybody's just kind of like, eh. I mean, okay, yeah, he broke Kareem's record, but I mean, whatever. I, mean, I I just don't I don't get the vibes that I would have gotten, like that I did get with MJ, or if um, it was like Kobe, right in Kobe's last game when he went off. There's not there's not the love, there's not the passion behind the fan base, there's not that connection that those superstars had compared to LeBron. So what's missing, right? There, he's not a must-watch, you know, not 100% everybody behind him guy the way those other fan favorites were. Well, the difference with LeBron, and I watched the night he broke it. I wanted to watch history. This is part of the when you become a gypsy, a basketball gypsy, and you go from Cleveland to the Heat, back to Cleveland to the Lakers, it was very odd and hollow that his teammates didn't share in his joy the night he broke it. The only ones that were sharing in it were his friends and his family because most of those teammates don't know him that well. They haven't been around for very long, and he hasn't been with the Lakers long enough to be embraced as a Laker legend, even though he won the bubble title and all credit. And I, I do appreciate LeBron, given the expectations he entered the league. 
it's been remarkable how his career has played out because 99% of people with his expectations fail. They don't meet him. He's met him. Frankly, he's met him. But to your point, Chad, even that night felt a little forced. You stop the game. He gives the speech. He doesn't have a really good relationship with Kareem. You know, and I, I grew up watching Kareem. I saw Kareem play in person multiple times as a kid. It felt weird. And again, this is I respect LeBron a lot about LeBron. That night felt weird. It was like we were watching him at a banquet or some a family event, not a basketball game. Because kids were there, his wife was there, Jay Z was there, like his celebrity friends were all there. Anthony Davis didn't even stand up for the winning, you know, the bucket that made him the all-time record breaker, which maybe speaks more to Davis than the situation. But it was just felt odd. It felt odd. And then the All-Star game, it felt forced. So the night felt a little odd. Not the performance. I thought he performed beautifully in the night he broke the record. But the celebration of it felt odd. The All-Star game that I watched, that felt completely forced. Where you're trying to make it about him, and he's just not embraced that way, partly because when, and i no fan of Carl Malone. If you Google his off-field issues, it yeah, is that was insane awful, how he's not showcased at all. Yeah, but he spent his whole career with one team, or until the very end he was a Laker. Kareem was essentially a two, you know, two teams, but identified almost exclusive with the Lakers. LeBron is the modern-day player who's jumped from team to team, so it just feels like he's embraced differently. It just feel, and he doesn't have a signature move. He doesn't have like Kareem had the sky hook. LeBron's signature move is locomotive going downhill on a fast break, and he's become a really good three point shooter. For what was expected of LeBron, for him to deliver and never have any controversy, still married to his high school sweetheart, family guy, deliver on all the expectations as the chosen one. There is the utmost respect for what he has accomplished, and he he deserves that. He's earned that. He's done everything right without a misstep for the better part of 20 years. The difference is, and you can call us old, you can call us old man shouting at the clouds, whatever, but with the experience and having the memories of Kobe Bryant, of Michael Jordan, of others in other sports and how they were revered, while LeBron is respected for what he's accomplished, he's not beloved like those guys were. And I don't think there's anything about LeBron James, and there hasn't been since really the Miami days, that forces sports fans into a must-watch situation. And I don't know that we're ever going to have an athlete that is must-watch in the way that we have seen some of the guys in recent generations who are on the tail end or have recently left the sports world. And the example I'll give you is Tiger Woods this weekend. Tiger Woods was drawing an enormous gallery and an enormous crowd for four straight days at the Genesis Invitational. There were people glued to the television watching because Tiger was playing. He had zero chance of winning. He shot two rounds in the 60s, two rounds in the 70s. No shot to compete with the guys of likes of John Rahm, who's red hot, and the guys at the top of the PGA Tour right now. No chance to compete with those guys, but still must watch. Must watch in the way that Michael Jordan was. Must watch in the way that Mike Tyson was. But I don't think LeBron, at least since Miami, has been a must watch player. You could argue maybe Steph Curry was at the start of the Warriors run. 
that everybody was, we have to see this. We have to watch Curry play. But I don't know that there is a guy in any sport right now, even Otani or Connor McDavid or whoever you want to bring up. Mahomes maybe might be the best example. But I don't know that we're ever going to see a must-watch guy in any of the sports again the way that we're still seeing Tiger because even not at the top of his game, there are people who want to get a glimpse and say, I saw Tiger Woods play. I saw Tiger Woods make a birdie. I saw Tiger Woods roll in an 18-foot putt. And that was on display this weekend at the Genesis. And that's just not the case for anyone else I can think of across any sport anymore. Tom Brady, there was probably a little bit of that this last year. I never felt that with Brady because I I didn't think he was an exciting player. That's the problem. He's just, he's not an accumulator, but he just, he's just great at what he does, but he doesn't do it in a spectacular fashion. Like the way we are trained to watch sports now, we want the wow moment. We want, that's why Otani, I would argue with you, uh, pushback that he is much watch because of his ability to hit home runs and throw 100 miles per hour. But he plays on a terrible team on a, in a forgotten uh, division, and they're never any good. But Otani in baseball is must watch for me because of, he does something that, not, that hasn't been done since Babe Ruth. But to your point, who in football is that guy? I mean, Patrick Mahomes? Maybe. I mean, we see him twice a year, and he's exciting. I don't know that he's must-watch exciting. Okay. If, Jeremy Lin was for two weeks. I, I would make the argument for Mahomes in football, but the Broncos were so bad, he got flexed off of Sunday night TV. Exactly. So is he must-watch if they would flex a, a no, game away from him? That Exactly. If he was that player, if he was Tiger Woods, would they flex out? No, they wouldn't. Tiger's fascinating to me because he's inspired so many of these young golfers he's competing with now, starting with Rory and Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, that group of guys who grew up as kids watching Tiger Woods, that that, that connection is there. But he's had a renaissance with the fans. Because remember, he was one of the most vilified athletes for several years after the marriage breakdown and the affairs and the drug use. But this last incident with the car accident that nearly killed him, has made him a sympathetic figure and embraced. I don't know if it's because societal the societal views have changed and he's had enough distance from what happened in his marriage and that whole ugly incident, or it's the idea that you are possibly seeing him for the last time. And he's only, what, 47? And that's unique that he's not Arnold Palmer at 76, teen up at Augusta. This could be the last time we see him compete competitively these last couple of years. You're, you're a golf guy. What do you think it is? Because he has had a renaissance in popularity that is remarkable, given where he was a few years out from the marriage breaking down and just being on the tabloids for in the New York Post on the back page for better part of two, three years. It's interesting because there were more Tiger fans than any golfer had ever had, than most athletes had ever had. There were a lot of people that were pro-Tiger and would – Always cheer for Tiger 100% all the time, drew a lot of eyeballs. But there were also a lot of people that thought it was overhyped or didn't like it. The difference, I think, for those people is he was humbled in many different ways repeatedly. Whether it was the back injuries, whether it was the divorce, whether it was the car wreck, whatever the case may be, he's been humbled repeatedly and come back and still tried to compete even if he's not at his best, even if he can't be a world number one. 
But he also came back and did win the Masters. Right. After much of this stuff happened, which is one of the all-time great comeback stories. You saw him win at the marquee event. So there's people who still think there's a sliver of hope that what if he does it one more time? Catch lightning. What if he does it just one more time? And he's come back more likable. You're right. That is a great point, Chad, because his humility through this these last few years is clearly present where he had none of that before. And that's what made him great. I'm not passing judgment, but he has come back with humility and almost, you know, this caretaker of the game. Royal Mac Roy McElroy is more of that now as a present day player as they fight with these battles with Liv. But Tiger Woods, they're following Tiger's direction. Rory and JT and Jordan Spieth and these they're fall let's be honest. They're following Tiger's lead on why they should stay on the PGA tour. Because he's saying they should stay and maybe they would on their own. But you're right. He's coming back more as a leader and there is a humility there that wasn't present during his dominance. And understandably so he was the villain and he played that there was a reason he won. He was a shark. He was different than everyone that he was gonna devour you and not talk to you and not speak. So that's it's just fascinating to me. But I think you're right. It's that could he one more time like Jack Nicholas did, even Phil Mickelson did for one weekend. Could Tiger do it one more time? Because there's no question. I watch more golf when he's in it. I watched yesterday, and I don't watch a lot of golf, but when I found out he was in it, still made the cut, I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. And back to LeBron uh, on the text line, even don't forget Magic Johnson in his final NBA All-Star game. That was a must-watch event when he returned and played. When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits.